0: Catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.
1: Yes, guys, this is the part I say into the metaverse. Yes, it's more like jumping into utopia right now. It's time where we're going to have conversation about what goes on in the metaverse. And of course, get the quick guide towards ARVR metaverse. Out of this what does it mean to us I and mean, what are the benefits what are the impacts what are the relevance of this um right now i'm sure you know about facebook changing its name to meta that's because uh mark has decided to invest a huge sum of his money into this metaverse and of course you know about microsoft also deciding to get a portion for himself everybody's just trying to claim 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 a portion of the metaverse and it's really interesting when you look around and see how technology is changing things and of course the impact of augmented reality virtual reality on our lives is really growing if you look around i mean look around you you would see there's an exponential growth experience in the entertainment media and of course business innovation even market strategies are using all of this metaverse, um, AR, VR augmentation to actually sell products to lure you into the metaverse. So right now I don't need to lure you. I'm actually welcoming you into the metaverse. This is the part where you're going to take your guide through the metaverse and of course let's see what awesome reality it's going to be and joining me today on the conversation I've got Mr. Marcus who is specialized in assisting cross-functional executive teams in preparing for and capitalizing on the convergence of exponentially emerging technologies and I also have with me uh, the team lead for this exponential destiny uh, company. There's uh, Muhammad Tajuddin also joining the conversation. They're not with me in the studio but they're definitely going to be joining me virtually. Hi. Hi
0: there. Hi there. Yes, I, I can hear you. My name is uh, Muhammad Tajuddin. I am the lead for the um, Exponential Destiny in Africa.
1: So um, before we kick off, I'd like to put people at the very relaxed uh, position. I like you to be like very chilled with me. So this is no conversation where you be like, oh, I'm coming for an interview. We're discussing your like, uh, tour guide into the metaverse today before Mr. Marcus is going to join us. Uh, but before then, I'd like to ask you some random questions and set the mood for the show. Is that Okay.
0: Right. Yeah, sure, sure. That's okay.
1: All right. So, my first question is, uh, what's your popular opinion about technology?
0: Um. Yeah, well, it's as if it, the um, technology is, like, everywhere. It's overwhelming, and everything we know right now is dealing with technology. And, um, I don't know, if you kind of go back, 10 years back, and uh, technology is kind of like... Um, it's not that rampant, but as uh, you know, the day goes by, everything we do now is a part of technology. Whatever you think you're doing, I mean, it's it's uh, technology must be incorporated because of the way technology is now going forward. I mean, you cannot be you cannot do anything right now without uh, without
2: technology.
1: Hi, Mr. Marcus, thanks for joining us on Cruise Call. Hi there, hi. I didn't
2: realize the call was. Today wasn't in my calendar, but it's it's also Thanksgiving. It's a national holiday here in, in the United States. <laughs> so I'm just asking random
1: questions before we kick that right into the conversation. First,
2: sure. My
1: first question is, what's your popular opinion about
2: technology? I mean, my popular opinion about technology, mm-hmm. what I talk publicly about, because I'm a practitioner in this field, is the exponential pace of technology versus a linear pace, which most people don't understand that concept or they don't realize that technology is trending exponentially. It's not, it's not a linear trend. Um, and what, I'm, what I mean by that is computing power is doubling every 18 to 24 months. It's called Moore's Law. And most people don't perceive what a doubling pattern, the compounded effect of a doubling pattern versus the incremental linear pattern And so it's moving much quicker than people really expect or realize because the underlying exponential trend of compute power is progressing technology in decades within days, which our linear brains perceive as would take much longer. So it's a very interesting concept to me. And that's something I've been studying for for decades now.
1: So what drove your interest into studying about this?
2: Yeah, well, certain certain fields like artificial intelligence Mm -hmm. or 3D printing or robotics or biotechnology or quantum computing or virtual reality. These are all fields of technology that are are riding this exponential pace. So what happens in the next several years in all of those fields
1: Mm -hmm.
2: will advance much quicker than it has in the last several years because it's not a linear trend. It's an exponential trend. So, for example, artificial intelligence really depends highly on computing power, you know, processor speed.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And computing power in the next, you know, three, four, five years will double one or multiple times. Now, think about that. It'll double what it has. It'll double the speed that it's been computing for the last 10 years. I mean, It'll be doubled in the next couple of years. So it's it's an interesting concept if you think about it. But it's most people don't under, don't realize the exponential pace of technology. So they don't expect things to progress as quickly as as they are going to progress. And that can be a blind spot for companies or for, for for society.
1: I like I like the fact that you're emphasizing on how people are not really ready for how. Big and vast that technology is going to be around the world. Uh, I mean, takes me back to when web one started and people could only interact with computer, just read stuff and and scroll through. And of course, we moved to web two where people can now no web one, they couldn't interact, all they had to do was look at their screen, scroll click and all of that right now in web 2 they could actually interact with people there's uh, a bigger um, broadband for the internet of things are being happening around us and now we are anticipating the web 3 takeover which is going to be quite like very immersive and of course uh, decentralized but all of this we can't talk about it without talking about like you mentioned the AR, the VR. So, what are AR and VR, and how are they related to the
2: metaverse? Yeah, let me and let me ask you real quickly. Are we? What's the format for this discussion? Is it so is the, it an interview? Format, that
1: the format yeah. is to guide people into this AR, VR. Because I remember at the Arc Fest that recently happened, uh, we moved yeah. over to your side, and a lot of people are trying this um, the head said thing and of course you could see how excited they are to find out about this so by giving people the guide this would be like the first stage of the in, like the conversation over will the it, years it will can, it be um yeah
2: you know first of all what is what's this buzzword the metaverse because i've been working in spatial web technology mm-hmm. before it got popular and was coined metaverse and so i'm not i'm not really into the hype of the whole concept i'm into more pragmatic use cases, and I can share with you where I think the pragmatic use cases are. Go Um, ahead. Yeah. First of all, I believe it's inevitable. It might take a decade, but I think you'll start to see within the next two to three years, most brands, most organizations will start to experiment at least with developing immersive websites, immersive and experiential websites. So we'll have a transition where the way that you consume content and the way that content is shared with you and served to you mm-hmm. is no longer on a 2D screen because the experience associated with being immersed in a 3D environment is so much more highly effective to help educate you, to help expose you, build awareness, even build empathy, that you'll see organizations and brands, commercial side as well as nonprofits, start to experiment with how do I bring people into these immersive environments that I create. And you're already starting to see that today. I mean, so my team and I have done nearly 30 projects for every type of business you can think of, as well as some nonprofits and some government organizations. It's the work we're doing currently with the United Nations, ITU organizations around the metaverse for the SDGs. So there's this rising tide of Web 3.0, which is gonna be an immersive and experiential environment And the reason why you're starting to see the uptake is because we've hit this inflection point. This inflection point is that hardware around virtual reality or augmented reality, Mm -hmm. which mind you has been around for more than two decades, has finally hit a price point back in 2020 that made it affordable for mass scale, you know, in terms of a 300 US dollar to 400 US dollar headset, Mm -hmm. which typically or traditionally has been thousands of dollars. And the quality of the, of the hardware has also improved to the point where it's hit this inflection point. So you have a good quality hardware at a very low cost. And that never existed before. That existed in 2020. And that was the impetus for this entree into virtual reality or into the metaverse. Now, when you hear metaverse, essentially what that is referring to is that if you're an organization, you could be a nonprofit, you could be a government organization, you could be a commercial business. When you build your immersive and experiential environment in three dimensions in, in virtual reality, eventually all these websites in virtual reality will start to get connected. They'll get stitched together, just like websites today on the on the regular internet. And that that connection of all these immersive environments is what is being coined the metaverse. And the way they'll be on a, a traditional website, the way you get from one website to another is you have a hyperlink, right? Yeah in virtual reality you have portals literally portals so if you have a headset on or if you can look at virtual you can do a 3d environment on a desktop it's not the same experience but you can you can browse it on a desktop but the way that you'll actually access another metaverse site another website in virtual reality is when you're in this when you're in this site you will actually see these portals so the way it's being designed by most platforms is you see almost like an orb that you walk through in virtual reality, and it transports you into this other world, this other website, essentially. And that connection of these wormholes that go from one portal, from one environment to another environment, as they get stitched together, will be a metaverse. And you'll have metaverse environments based on certain domains. You might have a health-related metaverse. You know, the work that my nonprofit is doing with the United Nations ITU is a metaverse for the sustainable development goals through this global competition, which which perhaps we'll talk about. Um, so I think it's important to demystify really what the metaverse is. It, it's It's a way to experience things immersive and experiential. Immersive and experiential. It's also social and interactive. So unlike a website today, when you're on a website, you don't know who else is on that website. In the metaverse when you hit a quote-unquote website in the metaverse, you'll see the people who are visiting that same space walking around in that space. That's like so a
1: decentralized more... um, system for the metaverse, so you get to see all that is going on at the same time,
2: right? Yeah, and you and you get you get to intuitively browse the website like you would in real life. You get to walk through and, and experience it, but you can be experiencing it as any avatar that you want, and obviously the experience is... Can be very imagine, imaginative and creative. Now, the the reason why I'm excited about the metaverse, and it's the work that Muhammad and I are doing, is, and this is very important, virtual reality, immersive and experiential environments are highly effective for learning and education. And this is not me just thinking that that's the case. This has been proven with efficacy studies. One efficacy study in particular that, that I saw Back in 2020, was by Price Waterhouse Coopers, Mm -hmm. the consulting and accounting firm. They did a study where they compared a group of learners being trained in three different environments: classroom style traditional environment of education, online learning in education, what a lot of people went to during COVID, online learning, and then virtual reality trained environment. And they compared those three environments for the same learning subject. And the results of that efficacy study back in 2020 was that a virtual reality learner was four times faster to train than a classroom learner.
0: A virtual reality learner, four times faster.
2: Well, I'll explain in a second. And Mm -hmm. the other aspect was a virtual reality learner was 275% more likely to act on what they learned, to be able to act on what they actually learned. So to actually... Gain knowledge, then act on it. 275% more likely and 375% more emotionally connected to the content. So those numbers are significant. Those aren't incremental improvements. Those are exponential improvements. A teacher would be happy with a 20% faster to train versus a 400% faster to train, which is what the efficacy study showed. Now, the other thing interesting about that study And and your listeners can look that study up because it's online. It's a PricewaterhouseCoopers virtual reality study from 2020. The thing that was interesting about that study was the technology that was used to train in virtual reality for that study is already outdated. It's already old technology because in the last two years, there's been so much innovation in the virtual reality because primarily because the demand increased because of COVID. So the industry got a lot more money and in infusion of venture capitalist funding. So you get this infusion of innovation that took place in the last two years. So that study was very interesting to me because I knew the study was already outdated. I knew the numbers should even be higher because it was technology from essentially from 2019. And the technology has come so far in the last two years. It's been ex- moving exponentially like we we're talking about before. So when we saw that study... A group of young people that are my colleagues from Exponential Destiny, this nonprofit, that's why we established this nonprofit because we thought to ourselves, the cost of this hardware is so cheap now. The software is so much better. And the software is coming down in price to where it's essentially free. And the data shows that it's highly more effective. It can be in a highly more effective way to learn than traditional methods. So why don't we take this to schools in low-income communities and see if we can get that same data, that same results from that PWC study in a low-income marginalized school district and community. And so that's what we've been doing ourselves for the last two years. We've been taking this into communities like South Central Los Angeles, west side of Chicago, Florida, and now with Muhammad's help, we've been taking it to, to communities in, in different countries in Africa Basically, as a tool. Now, now your question is, why is it so much more effective? Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Well, there's a couple of reasons. For one, think about it this way. Let me give you an example. If you're a teacher and you wanted to teach your students about biology, about the human body,
1: mm-hmm. and,
2: and pr- particularly about how the heart works, right? Okay. Well, which do you think would be more effective if you were going to teach students about the heart? Giving them a lecture in class and showing them some videos or... If you could put all your students on a bus and take them to a lab, a health lab, a biology lab. And at that lab, when you take them to the lab, you have them actually see, you know, a human heart, a cadaver, a heart where they dissect it. Maybe it's a pig's heart, but they dissect it and they actually show you in real life. They show you, you take your students on this field trip, right? You take them to this lab and you actually show them. A heart. So dissected. they get to
1: experiment with the life, oh, not like in life, but they get to see it in real life, what the heart looks yes. like.
2: So yeah. in real life, in real life, if you're a teacher and your options mm-hmm. are show them a video in class or take them to a lab, of course, taking them to a lab is more fun. It's more, it's more yeah. engaging. The, the students enjoy it more. And, and they tend to remember, you
1: know, they tend to remember yeah, because, so, yeah, virtual.
2: Hundred percent, because you have spatial memory. Mm-hmm. You remember going on the on the bus. You remember getting to the lab. You remember walking up to the to the uh, the the heart where they're going to show you that it being dissected and teach you. Now, think about this though. If you already know that's a more effective way, the challenge is a lot of teachers and a lot of schools they don't have the budget to put everybody on a bus and take them to a lab and show them a heart, right? Absolutely. So here comes the advantage of virtuality. In virtual reality, and I'm speaking from firsthand experience, if you put on a VR headset today and I take you on a virtual tour to a lab where I show you this heart being dissected, first of all, the realistic, how realistic it looks will be surprising to you. You'll be like, wow, this is very realistic. If you haven't tried virtual reality in the last six months, it's hard to describe, but it's very, very realistic. That's the first thing. So it does actually feel like I'm going into a lab and looking at this heart. However, though, in virtuality, I can do something that you can't do in real life if you go to a lab. Rather than going up to the operating table to show the dissection of this heart, this pig's heart or cadaver heart to teach you, I can actually take the heart in virtuality and make it the size of a house. And I can take you on a tour through the aorta, through the ventricles through the veins, I can actually take you into the heart in virtual reality. So my ability to teach you actually is superior than if I were to take you actually to a lab. I might even prefer to put you in virtual reality to teach you rather than taking you to a lab because I have these superpowers. I can do things you can't do. Now, the thing that's interesting about that is five years ago, if you were a teacher and you wanted to take your class in virtual reality to a lab to take them to a through the tour of a heart. Five years ago, that would have been unaffordable. It could have cost you tens of thousands of dollars. You would have had to hire a graphic design artist to build the heart in 3D. You would have had to build software that lets you go, you know, mimic or or, or simulate going into a lab. You would have had to do all that stuff. It would have been very expensive. It would have cost you perhaps even tens of thousands, maybe even $100,000 in hardware and software and, and services, digital design services, coding services to do that. Today, however, today... A teacher, not an expert in virtual reality, a teacher with some little training could build that environment for his or her class within a few hours.
1: I mean why can-
2: because why? Because the three D heart now I can buy off the internet like clip art for a few dollars I can buy it, or even it's free I can I can get a digital heart online and bring it into the environment a few years ago there wasn't enough clip art there wasn't that didn't exist just like the original internet at one point there wasn't a lot of graphics now you can get any graphic you want just by googling a graphic image and bringing it in same thing is happening now with, with 3D images so you can pull a heart in that is a 3D image interior and exterior probably for free you can find it on the internet now there's all these marketplaces and you can pull it in as a teacher into an environment that is you created because creating an environment in virtual reality, in other words, creating this next generation website, used to be the skill set of a technical developer. Now it's the skill set of PowerPoint in 3D. So a teacher and a student can build their own environments. And that's that's why we think it's an incredibly fast and incredibly interesting emerging technology, is it's been democratized to where someone with no technical coding experience can actually build these environments if they're creative and the set they need to learn is really not much more complicated than editing and posting a TikTok video or building a PowerPoint presentation. You're just now in three dimensions. And that's new. That didn't exist a few years ago. The, techn- the software was very complicated to use and it usually required technical coding. Now it doesn't. Now there's dozens of platforms like PowerPoint where you can go in and you have all these tools to go build any environment you want, which means that This is a skill set that if you learn it, you can find employment opportunities and you can be in Africa doing a project for a company that's in Arizona in the United States or in London, England, because it's virtual reality. So you can do this remotely. It's the whole that's the whole purpose. You don't have to be there physically in person. So if you learn the skill set, you can potentially upskill yourself into the emerging job economy around metaverse, but you don't have to be a technical coder to do it. Now, there is technical work. If you want to get technical, you can get technical and be very effective mm-hmm. and do it very well with Metaverse. But for some of the, you can get eight, it's kind of like the 80-20. If you learn 20% of the technical, kind of the non-technical piece, you can be doing 80% of these Metaverse sites. You can be, be highly effective.
1: I mean, I wanted to to talk about how you describe the lab. And it kind of makes sense because when you look at this side of Africa, especially um, when you go into education sector, we're not really equipped when it comes to our laboratory. And I think this is an amazing sellout for what the VR is presenting to education sector. But kind of make me wonder, is it just for education purpose? Are there other areas that this can actually be helpful or impactful on
2: well, yeah, I mean, if if the efficacy data is showing that it's faster to train, learners are more likely to apply what they learned. It's really, you know, you learn better because you experience it. You immerse yourself, and our brains react to spatial memory. You know, being able you remember things spatially, so that's why the environment is so much highly effective for a learner. So it's great for education. I mean, that that's now going to be attractive to every field, right? If I'm teaching someone about a product that I offer or service that I offer. I'm teaching someone about their financial, if I'm a financial advisor and I want to teach them about how to build wealth or how to, uh, you know, over time, how to save on a budget. If I want to teach them about nutrition and healthy living, mm-hmm. anything that you're trying to do as a company, as a brand, as a government, I'm trying to teach you about the services that I offer. I mean, essentially everything is education related. Maybe we're not talking traditional education like a teacher in a school, but even a brand is trying to help you, trying to help build awareness awareness education to empathy around their brand so that's why i think it's going to be this powerful medium it, it might I, I actually feel that it's a new expressive form of art mm. because when you get into virtual reality sure you can do you know commercial things in there for a brand or a product but the reality is i think it's a new you know it, it it'll be the next evolution of how you see movie.
1: I mean, it was um, It's part of the Black Panther. The method, the, looking at the way the scene was being shot and everything, you could feel the virtual reality that they infused into the movie. It kind of feels very unreal, but really good.
2: Yeah, and also you can see a movie, but you can watch it from anywhere you want within the movie. So you can see a movie multiple times because you can see it from many different angles,
1: and you get so, to be you know, in it
2: you get to be in it. Of course, I mean that that's not science fiction. That's how you can do that today. Like we build environments today. The reason is this. There's a functionality that's starting to appear in some of these platforms. When I say a platform, that means there's software like PowerPoint, right? Yeah. There's there's software out there for metaverse where you can be a creator and you can get the software for example engage VR or spatial VR. Or Horizon, which is Meta, Facebook's product, Horizon VR. These are all platforms that let you get in there and create. And they make it very easy for you, just like PowerPoint. You know, you can start off with a blank page, you know, a blank environment. Or you can start off with a template, like in PowerPoint. You can have on the planet Mars, or you can be underwater, or you can be in an auditorium, or you can be in a movie theater, or you could be on a soccer field or football field. I mean, they have all these these environments and these templates you can pull in in Engage, there's over 2,000 of them. So you have plenty of options. And then, then you can start pulling in graphics, any graphic. Again, in Engage software, there's 2,000, a library of 2,000. And if you don't find one in the 2,000 library of Engage, you can pull out, there's millions of them online in marketplaces, you can pull them in. So if you want a dolphin, if you want a dinosaur, if you want a truck, if you want a tank, if you want a image of your past, you just fill it out. And that's, that's how it started to become. Now, the thing that makes it interesting is, these platforms let you animate these objects almost like actors in a play or in a movie. So you can take that you can pick a scene, a template where you're underwater, for example. Mm-hmm. Very easy, and then you can pull in a dolphin. And when you pull that dolphin into the environment, it's a very realistic-looking dolphin. It looks just like a dolphin. It's there in virtuality. It looks like it's right in front of you. But you can use your superpowers. Almost like you have. String that is attached to that dolphin where you can make that dolphin like a puppet. You can control where it goes. You can make it swim up. You can make it swim down. You can make it swim through some coral. You can make it jump out of the water and do a flip. You can control that. Now, that makes it really interesting because if someone's in virtuality and you're controlling the dolphin, but they can't see the magical strings, they just think the dolphin is swimming around them. That makes it really interesting. But what some of these platforms let you do is they let you record that. So you can record the dolphin doing the animation that you programmed it to do just by simply using the string to, to, you know, your superpower to make the dolphin do that flip or go through the coral or swim around. You can record that and then you can play the recording back when you're not there in virtuality, which means you can start to essentially build theater. You can have the dolphin doing flips. You can have a shark, maybe it running away from a shark, and you can have the mm. shark come in. You can have a bunch of fish. You can have, you know, you can start creating anything that you want to create. You can record it all. And then you can tell your friends and family, come on into my environment. And when they come in the environment, you can hit play. Or sometimes there's triggers, which means you program it so that if if, if, if there's an avatar from one of my friends that comes into virtuality, mm. and they come close to this so this quarrel in this ocean yeah. scene it'll automatically trigger this play this theater that I pre-programmed where the dolphin comes out and does the thing I mean think about that that means basically you're creating it's like a new art form you can create movies you can create theater in these environments which means you can tell stories and there's no better way to educate people than telling a story Right.
1: I mean, I'm just thinking about this and the involvement with other people coming into what you're creating. And of course, uh, we can't talk about the use of technology without looking at uh, cybersecurity. And of course, uh, uh, with the Web 2, you would see mostly we had a, a, a time where we, it was cyberbullying and trolling. And uh, all of that in this world right now, educating people how to navigate like the AR, VR world. Is there like a way to curb cyber bullying, cyber security? What, what are the things put in place for this?
2: Yeah, I mean, the real risk. I mean, every technology has positives and negatives, right? Artificial intelligence, a lot of positive things, some, some really serious negative potential, right? if it falls in the hands of nefarious actors, right? So every technology has positives and negatives. Fire, as an invention, has positives and negatives. So virtuality, as we've been discussing in the metaverse, has some real positive upside for society. You know, the price of education. You could leapfrog education. You could be a low-income school and finally have, what. this is what I call this, a teacher in virtuality, what they tell me when we expose them, to this, especially in a low-income community, the teacher says, I'm going from a mindset of scarcity to a mindset of abundance. Yes. As a teacher, as a teacher, Mm -hmm. I used to have scarcity mindset. Like I -hmm. can't teach my students because I don't have access to a lot of resources. Now, Now I have a, now I have abundance resources. And you know what happens with teachers? They get excited about teaching again. That's what's so fun about this field that's emerging. Teachers get excited again. They're like, I can create theater in here. I can tell stories. I can teach the way that I want to teach. I'm not limited. I'm not, I don't have scarce resource. I have abundance resource because I have digital resources, right? So the risk, however, is, and the studies already show this, it's going to be highly, the way it's going to interact with your brain and creating endorphins, it's going to be similar to, it's going to actually simulate things similar to other addictions that you have in real life, um, like drugs and alcohol. I mean, it, it could have the same effect on your brain as drugs and alcohol do in terms of escapism and addiction, because it's so realistic. So there are some real concerns about this. Um, and the studies are showing this. MIT just came out with a study maybe four months ago where they took an MRI of a brain of a, of a patient who took magic mushrooms, LSD, a drug, yeah. and that brain and that MRI was indistinguishable from an MRI brain when that patient was in virtual reality doing a simulation that had the same effect. So, and this is what, this is what it looks like today. Virtual reality is going to continue to get more, even more and more realistic. Eventually it'll be indistinguishable from reality in terms of the resolution, how high the resolution is, the, the spatial audio, and they're going to even introduce tactile feedback So you feel things on your fingers or on your chest if you're wearing a vest as well as you know the new the new headsets are coming with front facing cameras so that way your avatar will look just like you and it will every time you raise your eyebrows or you blink or you smile or you you grin that will all be exactly how it looks on your avatar because the cameras are front facing so these environments will get more and more realistic and that will have some positive things but that but the more realistic it will be, the more that it will create, for some people, it will create even a higher level of addiction in, you know, in gaming or, or pornography. I mean, or... you just
1: took that out. I was about to uh, talk about gamers, the way they are addicted to gaming. And of course, porn, these are stimulations that goes on in the brain and they can't stop. So it's the same thing that we're looking at for the people who are going to be invested in their time in this VR. But should I be scared, though?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it'll even be more compelling because it's more realistic than a game. So, I mean, that's kind of a warning to parents and to society that if you see addictions on a 2D screen to gaming or porn or other, other forms of digital content, it's going to even be more addictive, of course. It's going to be more addictive when you when it's experiential and immersive, right? So it's, it's just a real risk that can't be overlooked and, and people have to use the technology responsibly. You know, in the next several years... You know, there's going to have to be research and guidelines that comes out in terms of how do you, especially with young, with children. I mean, right now we don't work with anyone that's younger than 13 years old. Um, But yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be something that is going to have to be researched and society will have to be very responsible about it because it's real. It's going to be highly addictive. I mean, it's going to be highly addictive for adults in terms of escapism because it will have the same escapism nature of what, what people turn to drugs or alcohol for. You know, to escape their reality, right? So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's a whole field. Now, I mean, what my nonprofit what my nonprofit does is we're very focused on, that's why we don't like to go into a school and say, here, let us get you headsets. Let's teach you virtual reality because, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it's a negative thing to just teach someone virtual reality if that's all they're going to teach is how do you get into virtual reality? Maybe they're going to use it for games, right? So we're very conscious on the need that when we go into an environment especially with young people, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17-year-olds or older, we, we go in with the sole mission of this is a highly effective way to do education and learning. And it's interesting, when we go into a school and we work with, like I said, we work with five schools. We're now working with, we're now starting with Muhammad's help. We're starting to look at a school in, in Africa. Um, when we go into a school, we actually ask the principal and the teachers, the first question we have is, What's a subject that you're trying to teach here that year after year, traditional methods that you've been using have been failing? In other words, the grades your students are getting in this subject are well below averages that are of the state or country, national averages, etc. You're failing at teaching this subject. You're not not effective at teaching the subject. Let's take that topic. Let's take that subject. And that's the one we'll experiment with virtuality. And we'll see if immersive and I call it immersive and experiential learning combined with edutainment, education and entertainment. Because what we do when we create these environments to teach in virtual reality for a school around a topic that they say they're currently not effective at teaching. We also go through this exercise of how do we how do we incorporate game theory in gamification? How can we now that we have this abundance environment where we can create whatever we want? Can we create a scavenger hunt? Can we create the game of Jeopardy? You know, that's a, that's a game in the United States. Can we create a, you know, can we make it a like game a in this environment? Exactly, exactly, yeah. like Pokemon was. So you can do that. You can think through it with your teachers and your classmates. Like, how do we design a game in here to teach this subject? So we apply game theory and gamification. And then we think to ourselves, how can we incorporate humor or entertainment? Things that will get people excited and interested and engaged in their education. And again, the reason you can do this is because you're in virtual reality. You have an abundance mindset. In the real world, if you're a teacher and you're going to try to make it into a game, it can get quite complicated. It can get difficult. It can get expensive to try to think about how to make it into a game. You know, Mm -hmm. if you wanted to make it into a scavenger hunt, well, if you're a teacher and you're going to try to make a scavenger hunt, what are you going to take all the kids outside and make a scavenger hunt around the community, around the city? You could, but that's very expensive and that takes a lot of time and that's complicated in virtuality you have an abundance of real estate you can make a really interesting scavenger hunt you can leave clues but the cl- to, you know the students have to answer a question to the clue which is teaching them something right so you just have all these so in these environments you have to reinvent and reimagine how you do education and that's what our nonprofit does is we we have this whole methodology where we where we explore game theory gamification how edutainment mm-hmm edutainment, education. How do we incorporate entertainment into And that's great to involve the students. They're the ones that help the teachers think and create these environments. It's not the teachers coming up with them. The students do it as assignments. The teacher says to them, here's your assignment. I want you all to learn about the history of our country, a history lesson. I want you to go research the history of the country. But the way that you're going to share with me, the teacher, you're going to have to do your assignment, like doing a book report or writing a paper, but instead of writing a paper, I want each of you to get into teams with other students and each team will have to create an environment in virtuality where you share what you learned about the history of our country. But you have to create it in an virtuality and then every student is going to come into your environment and you're going to, each team is going to share with all the other teams what you created. And the act of creating the environment is the way the students learn. Even if the environment they create around the history of the country isn't the greatest environment, it's not that great because they just learned how to create virtual reality, it doesn't matter. The fact that they had to create something in virtual reality, which which again is as easy as creating something in PowerPoint or posting a TikTok video, the the act of creating the environment is actually how they learn. So the teacher doesn't really have to be the expert in virtual reality. The teacher just has to give the assignment to the students. The students will become very, very advanced in virtual reality. I know that from firsthand experience, it's they're digitally native it's intuitive
1: to them i mean we can we can we can continue talking on and on about the goodness and all the wonderful things that this offering is bringing but i'm mostly interested in how africa is uh, receptive to this innovation you said so far you've been able to cover over five schools and that's with the help of Mohammed. so how has the reception been and uh, what are the things that you think that could be working, maybe in terms of people, in terms of the government, in terms of how we interact with these new technologies?
2: Well, let me, let me have Mohammed talk about his experience because he's been on the ground in Africa. But let me just preface it with this. OK, we launched a competition with the United Nations ITU agency. The ITU agency is the, the agency is, that's part of the United Nations that's responsible for digital technologies communication so they're the ones that have been working for the last several decades on how does the internet get scaled globally and adopted globally and it's equitably distributed to everyone that's what their mission is that's what they work on so they're the ones that are focused they're the ones that are focused on metaverse so we launched a competition with them called the metaverse for sdgs the sustainable development goals the metaverse for sdgs global prize and Virtuality competition we raised two hundred thousand dollars And we expect to even raise more that we're giving out as prize money to anyone in the world that wants to form a team and with that team, create an environment that brings education, awareness, and empathy to the sustainable development goal. So like one of the SDGs is life below water, right? So life below water is one of the sustainable development goals. Well, that example I was giving with the dolphin in the water, you could create an environment that teaches people about the climate change around oceans and how it's affecting oceans. So the website is www.sdgmetaverseprize.org, SDG, Sustainable Development Goal, SDG sdgmetaverseprize.org. Anyone can join that competition. Now, here's the interesting thing. We launched that competition globally back in June, but actually back in February in Geneva. We announced it during the opening keynote of the UN Summit in Geneva, Switzerland. We announced that we're having this competition. In June, we officially launched it in Kigali, Rwanda. Today, we have 700-plus individuals registered across 65 countries. 400 people out of that 700 people registered are within countries in Africa.
1: That's interesting. And
2: we're seeing the most adoption and uptake across Africa. And, Muhammad, why don't you share a little bit about your experience in terms of the, the, the hack fest that you were at recently in Lagos? as well as some of the other work that you're doing uh,
0: um hi i hope
2: you can hear me clearly now
1: yes we can
0: i'm um, sorry about the noise yeah um yeah so uh marcus has already said everything interesting about the um the metaverse and uh, i'm really excited you know when i met the team first and alley, which was an amazing experience and you know um uh, joining uh, the, the team to create something even better in Africa is one of the, is, is one of the things I I, I really I'm proud of right now. Uh, so uh, what we are doing um, with the SDG Metaverse is to get people registered, creating a community for people who have uh, same-minded, um, you know, uh, who are who have the same mindset um, to join in the competition, who are interested, just like me. Um, in the world of metaverse, you know, to join in the competition and uh, and be able to participate and bring out the solution around one of the SDG goals. Um, so last, um, I think last week, I think you were there uh, at the Act First, uh, Ingressive Focus office First. Mm-hmm. Um, we were able to set up a booth and register... Um, we we were able to register people into our community, um, like a uh, hundred plus people who are very excited about the SDG and and, and the metaverse. Actually, um, you know, people already knew about the about the SDG, but you know, they don't know much about the metaverse. So it was kind of a, a land a soft landing for us and um it, it was really exciting actually i to, mean I, to would admit,
1: to talk about... I would admit i saw so many people coming to the booth for registration and trying on their headsets and i also got interested in like oh come over let's have this conversation on my show and so far, so good it's been an amazing conversation but I'd like to know the impact of this in Africa and of course the competition going on what you have to uh, say to other Africans looking into getting into the competition and winning the money so what would you have to say today Yeah,
2: I mean I, I'll, I'll emphasize one thing to, to your, your audience in Africa this is a skill set that is relevant for the new emerging job economy and the best time to learn a skill set around an emerging technology is before it completely emerges Learning how to code websites today is 30 years late. So if you're in a class learning how to code a website, it's, you know, the time to learn how to code a website to be relevant in the job market was back in 1990, 1991, when the internet was at the stage where the metaverse is right now. It was just starting to merge, right? That was the best time to learn how to code websites was back in 1990, not 2022. So, we're teaching kids how to co- we're teaching young people how to code, telling them that it's relevant for the new job economy. The reality is, artificial intelligence is catching up with coders. The, be- the best time to learn a technology is before it becomes extremely popular. Otherwise, you're putting yourself in competition with everybody else in the world because now everybody knows how to do it. So, what we're emphasizing is now is the time, there's a window of opportunity, which is in the next eight to 12 months, learn how to create metaverse sites. And what we're telling you is you don't have to be technical and learn how to code to do it because at a minimum, every brand, every product, every company, every organization has a fiduciary responsibility. If you're an executive in any of these companies, you have a fiduciary responsibility to at least experiment with a metaverse site right now, which means if you know how to build a metaverse space for someone, what we've been talking about on this conversation, if you can create an environment. To bring a story together for a brand, especially if you incorporate design thinking and gamification and edutainment. If you learn these skill sets, which is what we're teaching people as part of this competition where we're, we're training all these people for this competition. If you learn these skill sets, by the time you master this software, this hardware, which is not difficult to become an expert in, by the time you master it and become extremely effective at it, you now have a career as a consultant around the metaverse. You could you could literally cold call a company and say to a company you've heard about this metaverse I know how to build these spaces how about we do an experiment and I try to build some spaces for you to see if we can't build these immersive and experiential environments for you and your brand and again it's fiduciarily irresponsible for a company for an executive at a company to tell you no you know they should it's like 1992 and you're telling about the this thing called the web, world wide web yeah, yeah. and they're like no, I'm just, I'm just going to ignore that. I'm not going to do that. I don't think that's a thing. So now is the time if you learn this, you have a good possibility and you don't have to. It doesn't have to be a company in Africa that you, that you advise or consult or you look for a job. It could be a company anywhere. And I say this with confidence because there's a, gen, there's a young gentleman on my team. His name is Juan. He was 19 years old a year and a half ago when he was 19 years old. I had him work on a project with me that I was doing for a corporate client, a large consumer product company. I was helping them build training in virtual reality. And when I got finished with this small project that I did for this client to show them essentially the art of the possible in virtual reality, this company, the CEO of the entire company, this is a billion dollar company, the CEO said, you're right, Marcus, this stuff is ready. I really have to start to learn this stuff. My company can really use this stuff. It's highly effective. It's it's starting to work and it's just gonna get better from here. So I wanna build a metaverse department. I wanna build a virtual reality department. Can you recommend anyone that I can hire? And I said, Well, what about Juan? Because there's not a lot of people that know how to do this right now. There's not a lot of people in the world that know how to do this because it's new. But Juan, who helped me on the project, what about him? And, he, and they said, She said, you mean the 19-year-old? Well, we really like him. We thought he was great, but we don't want to take him from you from you from your organization. I said, No, that's the whole idea. Please take him and employ him. So Juan quit his job at at Walmart stores. He quit his job at Walmart stocking shelves and took a job for this company that was a billion-dollar company as their head of their virtual reality department. And he was making a professional salary. And he was 19 years old. He didn't even have a college education yet. And that's that's what is the potential right now. If you can learn this skill set, you will be the demand. You will be the supply for the demand that's going to emerge in the next several years as every company, every organization, every brand, every product, every service starts to explore their metaverse spaces and that's where i think there's a huge opportunity in africa to look at the skill set you know it's very similar you're probably familiar with back in the 90s when the world wide web took off in the late 90s and early 2000s yeah. guess what country provided all the technical resources to build out all these development websites india india became the outsource country of the world for technical development they became the resource for a lot of the world i worked at deloitte and I worked at Ernst and Young during those years. These large consulting firms got most of the labor for the technical work from India. They had it's called offshore. That was the offshore resources, the technical work. So Africa could be the quote unquote offshore for the rest of the world for metaverse. If you get a lot of individuals skilled in this profession. So you know the message that Muhammad and I have for your listeners is. Use the competition we're running. The reason we're running this competition as a nonprofit is to help upskill you to be a creator on the Metaverse. We have all these training materials. We have all these videos we put out there. We teach you how to create in these environments. Once you register for the competition at the metaverse, metaverse org at our website, once you register, we'll send you information so you can attend some of our information sites. And like Muhammad said, we can you can be part of our community. You can learn you can grow you can apply what you learned in the competition towards bringing to life one of the sustainable development goals as a way to test your skills and if you do really well we'll bring you to the united nations when we have the summit with the itu agency late next year and we'll give you a a cash prize but at a minimum you'll learn a skill set and hopefully you can maybe bring that to your school you can start advising schools around how to use it for education so that's that's what i think what we feel is the real potential here
1: yes it is promising when when i hear you talk about all of this not just the cash prize but at least learning something and knowing that in the nearest future you're becoming like the hot cake like we call it over here you're like sorted after everybody really needs your uh expertise on that um it's really nice talking to you but time is running out that i would have to go so i want you to wrap up with uh what the competition owes and how long this is going to be for so that people can know when to join in and uh, when is it closing.
2: These are the rules of the competition. You go to the website and you register as an individual. Once you register, it's a very simple registration. Of course, there's no cost to register. It's free to register, of course. As a matter of fact, we're actually trying to help people get headsets if they can't afford headsets. So there is a way to actually, we can help Certain communities get headsets if they, if they can't get headsets. There's there's an application for that. We're donating headsets. Um, but once you register on the website, you'll be brought into the community and you'll, we'll start sharing with you access to these resources. You have until the end of this year to register yourself and, and your team. So what you need to think about is, I registered myself. Now I have to find a friend. It could just be one friend or up to 6 people, so 2 to 6 people that you're going to be on your team. 2 to 6 people. At least one other person besides yourself, mm-hmm. but up to 6 people that you want to form a team, you register your team on the website as well. And then you have until March, the, you have until April 1st of next year to actually build out an environment around the sustainable development goal out of the 17 goals. You have to pick, your team has to pick one of those goals that you're passionate about. Zero poverty, no hunger, quality education, gender equality, you know, all these different 17 SDGs, pick one of the sustainable development goals that you have a passion for you and your team. And then we will train you how to create in these environments, anything your imagination wants to create. And then you have to figure out a way to apply game theory, edutainment, all of those elements around your sustainable development goal to create an environment that builds. And this is what we're going to judge you on how effective you are at education awareness and empathy of that sustainable development goal. You don't have to you don't have to think of a solution to the sustainable development goal. That's a much harder thing to do. You just have to build education, awareness and empathy to the issues and the opportunities of that sustainable development goal. And you'll have all the way until April 1st to come up with your creation that your team produces. And that's as simple as it is. So, I encourage your your audience to go to www.sdg metaverseprize.org and be part of this fun community.
1: Interesting. Absolutely interesting. I'm sure they are running right now because I'm also like trying to log in and see what's going on because I have to be a part of it. So I have to go and look for my team right now. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for taking time out to explain what it means. And of course, uh, sharing with us all of the greatness that could happen by when we join this competition. And of course, getting skills and getting it set for free, it's something that is... I don't want any of my audience to miss out on this. So I'm sure right now they're rushing to it. We look forward to having more of this conversation with you. Is that okay?
2: Yes, of course. And, you know, we're very excited because like I said, currently in the competition, we have seven, over 700 people registered. More than 400 of them are from all the countries in Africa. It's incredible. So I'm really impressed with the level of excitement and the level of interest from all the communities in Africa. I mean, it really is extraordinary. Muhammad, I don't have any other country, out of the 700 people registered, there's no other country where I have individuals like Muhammad and others that are helping us because the demand is so high, you know? So it's really exciting to see individuals in Africa being said, Keep in mind the competition, there's two competitions happening because it's divided by age group. There's 14 to 18 year olds that are competing mm-hmm. in one group across the 17 Sustainable Development Goals, and then there's 19-year-olds and above, You can, and there's no age limit. So when you enter the competition, you have to, if there's anyone on your team that's above 18 years old, you're competing in the 19-year-old and above category. If everyone on your team is between 14 and 18 years old, you're competing in that category, which means you're only competing to win the cash prize against other 14 to 18-year-olds.
1: I like that. I like the subcategory, so we know who yes. we are competing against. I mean, you can't put the older ones and the younger ones on the same pedestal, so that's really good.
2: Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is there
1: any social media handle that you like to share for people to interact and ask questions or further information that they? Could?
2: Yeah, well, we have we do have a Facebook page, which is a community page where people can ask questions and and interact. If you once you register on our website you'll see the Facebook pages that we have we also have and this is very important if you go to the sdgmetaverseprize.org website on the main page the main page page one the home page if you scroll down you'll see there's a link to a YouTube channel where we've posted information sessions that we have every two weeks that we invite people to to train them on some aspect and every two weeks we have an information session but we put all the recordings on our YouTube channel so if you go to our website and you scroll down, you'll see that there's, it's called information session number one. You'll see a link for information session number one. And if you click on that video, you'll, you'll see that it's part of a YouTube channel where we have all of our, the information sessions. So you can start training yourself, even if you're, even if you haven't been participating up to this point point. Right. and you'll see it. You, we have a whole one hour training session around how do you record and play things back in the platform? We have a whole information session on how to use design thinking and edutainment. We have a whole information session on, you know, social and emotional learning in virtual reality, where we have a guest from Stanford University come speak about, using, about creating empathy in virtual reality. So we have all these experts and all these talks on our YouTube channel. And you can, again, from our main website, you can find all those resources.
1: All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. We really have to run. Uh, do sure. have a beautiful holiday
2: thank you very much have a good weekend everybody
1: all right and that's it guys uh, so much knowledge so much interesting information that you do not want to miss out on this opportunity i mean just having someone tell you that you can win money and not just win money you get free training and not just free training they get to give you free sets to train with oh my goodness there's so much that we're offering you once you listen to Africa Tech Radio. I promise you, every time you take out, listen to us, there's something very good around the corner for you. And this is so much that we can... I, I can't get enough of the conversation. You see, it just really took over the time and all of that great stuff. But I really have to run out of the studio. I mean, let me take time to digest what I've heard today and we'll definitely be putting this up on our website. So for those of you who would like to go over this um, interview again, just to maybe check out for things you probably missed out or that you'd like to know more about, it will be on www.africatechradio.com and we have other interesting things too so look around look around and don't forget to tag us whenever you get any of this or share content with your friends we'll definitely appreciate that but right now i'm running out of the studio and i want to say it's peace love and bye bye for me